Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Bowling Green podcast, found exclusively on our Vineyard Bowling Green app. We hope you enjoy this week's message and look forward to seeing you this Sunday. Amen. You know, the Bible shows us the nature of the God that we worship, right? We see it throughout the Bible. In Genesis, we see that He is our Creator, right? He's the Father who began everything. He, he made us, and He gives us life. He is our King, right? And so we see that in Psalms 103, right? That, that God is our King. He's the ruler of the universe, the leader of His, of his kingdom, and the one who, who allows us to really be part of His kingdom uh, coming to earth as we love Him and obey Him. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see God is the Trinity. We see Him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see kind of the completion of the Trinity there. And then this expands even further in Matthew and in the New Testament. We see that God is our Savior. It is our Rescuer. And the reason why I just briefly went over that and reviewed the nature of God this morning is because in everything that He is, right, as our as the creator, as our king, as our as the trinity, uh, as our savior and rescuer, to everything that he is, and all of his power, his might, and his ability. God is love. God is love. And we are the objects of his affection. The Lord of Lord, from beginning to end, his affection is you, and he is dedicated to getting your attention. He is dedicated to us receiving the gift of his affection. And no matter what we do, we do not change his affection towards us. It's really important. That's really huge, no matter what we do, because our actions do not change the nature of God. It doesn't change the nature of God, right? How many times can we look throughout history and we see a king or we see a leader who is all powerful, right? But nobody is allowed to get near because of fear, right? And unlike many of these kings and leaders that have existed throughout history, our King Jesus loves us more than anything. It invites us to have an intimate relationship with him. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I want us to look at two stories this morning. But before we go into these two stories, I actually want to preface them with some verses from Isaiah. This is really important to catch. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. Cheers. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. This is what it says. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, there's a very famous story that showcases this scripture. Okay, and, and I love looking at the connection between the Old Testament promises of who God is and actually seeing it played out in the New Testament. So here we have Isaiah telling us that even though we go tired and weary, God does not, and God gives us strength. Okay, I think we sometimes underestimate the truth and the value 
in Scripture. Here we have a great Scripture about overcoming our weaknesses because God will provide the strength, right? But I want us to look at this more than just a motivational statement of, you can do it, right? You can do it. Motivation is cool and all, but I want to see how this is practical and how it actually is played out in this intimate relationship with God. Because we have here in Isaiah is more than just a cure for momentary lack of motivation. It's bigger than that. It means more than that, right? What we have here in Isaiah, what we just read, is a process. It's part of a story, right? We go tired and weary. There's a reason because of that, right? But we will not lose strength because God is with us, all right? And there are moments in our lives where we feel tired and we feel weary, and that's, that just happens, right? And you find yourself kind of just stuck, and this affects your relationship with God. It absolutely affects and influences your relationship with God. It affects the way you worship, the way you pray. And perhaps you don't allow the Lord to get close in those seasons for whatever reason. And what we have here is a story that I want us to look at about a young man stuck, right? He's stuck. And we get to see Isaiah 40 played out in his life. And let's look at this story in Luke chapter 15. And we're not going to read it, but we're going to go through it together. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, a pretty famous and familiar story. But this guy's father gives him his inheritance early. So this, we've got this dad, he's very wealthy, and he saves his inheritance for a son, and he gives it to him very early. And the son runs off and just wastes it, right? He just lives crazy, he goes nuts. And when the son hits rock bottom and realizes that he's made this terrible mistake, he decides to come back with all of this guilt, all of this shame, right? Just feeling defeated, feeling deflated. And he asks his father to forgive him. He actually asks his father to hire him on like a servant. But instead of the, the father getting mad and like removing him from his family, he forgives the son. He actually throws a feast in his honor and he celebrates that the son has come home. And the reason why I love this story is because it's one of the classic stories and reminders and it displays the value of love that God has for us, right? It displays the nature of God even though we can't, even though we mess up, even though we, 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 we grow tired, we grow weary, we make all these mistakes, it does not change who God is. This story is one of the illustrations, the love and affection of God for us. God's love is so great that he gives generously to us, right? We're in this relationship with him, right? So he just, he gets to know us. He weeps when we make poor decisions for our lives and he forgives us and he welcomes us, but also he celebrates us when we return every time. And that's really important. As, and that's really important to understand that this is a foundation on how we worship and on which we worship. That no matter what we come to, when we're coming before the presence of the Lord, no matter how we're feeling or what we've done, the mistakes we've made, Whatever it is, that we are worshiping a God who's going to be steady, who's going to be a rock, who's going to love us, and his nature does not change, and he pours out his love, and it is so significant for how we worship, that no matter what we are standing on, we are standing before him, and he wants us to be there in his presence. Second Samuel talks about this a little bit 
I think it's really cool. It's a story in 2 Samuel in chapter 4, and it comes back in chapter 9, I believe, about a guy named Mephibosheth. All right? And Mephibosheth was a son of a king. And King Jonathan was the grandson of King Saul. And Mephibosheth, his, his father and his grandfather were very powerful. Uh, very powerful people. They were killed in battle. And there, therefore, the power changed hands and people were fleeing and running away. And, and the lady who was taking care of Mephibosheth in her, in her rush, right, because the regime's changing, everybody's scattering and running in fear, um, she drops or she falls and Mephibosheth uh, actually breaks his legs and he becomes a cripple. And in those days, that meant that you were practically of no value if you... You had no value or use, really. So for his his life, he was most likely forced to beg, uh, especially after a new regime comes in. Excuse me, because typically when they changed power, they you know they did not treat the uh, the old regime and the people of the old regime very well, and it especially wasn't no different, any different for a young crippled boy. But then King David, over time, eventually restores power and becomes king. And David was friends with Mephibosheth's dad, right? His dad was Jonathan. And Jonathan did so much to help and protect David. And David wanted to do something to honor his best friend, Jonathan. Excuse me, struggling. Excuse me. So, John, so David, he, he got his people together and he said, I want, I want you guys to find anyone who is in Jonathan's lineage. He wanted you to find one of his sons, his daughters. He wanted to honor someone in Jonathan's family. So someone said, hey, there's this boy named Mephibosheth. So David said, go find him. And someone went and, and, and got Mephibosheth and dressed him really nice and sat him at the table. And it was commanded that Mephibosheth would allow, would be allowed to eat at the table every night. He was going to be allowed to eat at the table every night. And he, re, he was restored so much for who his father was. And you know, sometimes I can identify with Mephibosheth. And I know there's times that you can identify with Mephibosheth. I think we all can. And I love the way there's this artist, John Mark McMillan, tells this story. Because he says, you know, sometimes I feel broken. And I don't know where the breaking happened or when something broke. I just know that sometimes it's not right. Sometimes it's not right. And I don't know what's wrong with me or what's wrong with the world, but because of this fall, this fall that Mephibosheth had nothing to do with, he was broken. But the beauty is because of nothing that he had done. This is so important. Nothing that he had done or nothing he can earn or deserve, but because of who his father was, the king decided to bring him up and sit him at the table. And it's in worship where we get to sit at the presence of a king. And in worship in the presence of a king. And, and, and I, for one, don't, don't know how it's possible how the same king who died for you, who died for me, the same father who designed and created the earth and all that exists, the same Holy Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost and birthed the church. I don't know how it's possible. All I know is that I get the opportunity to sit at that table and just like family, we break bread and we share our lives together. And when we take communion in a few minutes, I want you to remember you are breaking bread in the presence of God. And you're invited each and every day to share your life 
with the King of Kings. And it's not because of what you did right, and it's not because of what you did wrong, but it's because of who your Father is. It's because of who your Father is that you are invited into a life of communion and sharing with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we sing together, we are in dialogue with God, and we are uniting in that dialogue with God, singing together in unity and singing a promise, an invitation. Whatever the song is about, it invites us into expressing, but it's an opportunity for you to be in dialogue with God as we sit at the table, as we are reminded that it doesn't matter what we do, we get to come before the Almighty King, the creator of the universe. We get to be humble, and we get to know that we are in the presence of God. What a powerful, powerful opportunity that we get to have when we worship the Lord. As we go into communion this morning, I really want you to think about that. That we are the 